Good afternoon, people. Guy Adami and Dan Nathan. Market call, 1 p.m. Eastern time. I don't even know what day it is. I think it's the 23rd of January. January is a blur. This market call brought to you by FactSet, financial data and analytics, Dan, that are powered by tomorrow. They also happen to be our data provider. In just a few brief minutes, which they typically are, Carter Braxton worth of worth charting. Many things... Um, Many things sort of caught me off guard today, the market being one of them. But one of the things that really caught me off guard before we get into the market is the fact that the Dallas Cowboys official Twitter account absolutely threw Dak Prescott under the bus, effectively saying, I'm paraphrasing, but for the two interceptions or turnovers from Dak Prescott, named him by name, you know, we would have been competitive in that game yesterday. I don't know what's going on there in Big D, but clearly things are not going well. How are you, Dan? Yeah, I think there's probably an intern with the last name of Jones who who, mm. who basically managing that Twitter account there. I know I actually think they like Dak down there, um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, listen, good game. Um, you know, feel for that that kicker. I mean, can you imagine being that? You know, every hey, here's the thing. All right, guy. Every once in a while, when you're trading, investing, your market commentary, all that, sometimes you feel like that kicker. Like this Hell is yeah, one, I do. One of those sorts of times, man. And I, again, you get the yips in the markets every once in a while, don't you? Get the yips now. I mean, people are. It's it's interesting. I was reading some of the commentary on Twitter. You guys still can't be bearish, can you? Wedge formation breaking out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the market behavior. I mean, if you just look at it through the one metric of the market, things look great. Absolutely, the year is off to a, a a resoundingly strong start, without question. But I would remind people, and this is an important week. I think ninety three S and P five hundred companies report this week. Um. Obviously, I can do that math a little less than. 20%, Dan, see what I did there? Yep. Uh, so I think we're going to know a lot more, not necessarily about what the earnings are, but what the commentary is in an environment where seemingly every day we hear about layoffs from pretty significant companies. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, again, you know, um, can the market kind of test your your broader thesis about the economy, about the way all of this stuff is kind of coming together? Certainly on a day like today where, you know, you you open up, the NASDAQ opened up a little bit. And now I see it up 2.3%. It just keeps getting better by by the minute here. You know, those are the sorts of like environments that that are going to question, you know, your counter trend thesis one way or another. And And again, you know, I think the narrative, and we talked about this a lot, guy, late last week, is like this: this the notion that um, the soft landing is becoming consensus is is okay. I mean, people want to be optimistic here, and I get that. We want to be optimistic too, and you know, a lot of people who say sticking your bearish thesis. I think we do a really nice job of trying to point out things in if we're bearish that we like on the long side. I mean, that's why we kind of do this every day. Um, but there would take, you know. I don't know. Price movement is not going to change my mind about some of the things that I think that is in store for the economy here. And I, I'm just curious is like, you know, at certain point you kind of give up. I will just say this from a trading perspective. I use stops. You know, we talk about a lot of these trade strategies that we employ here and we talk about mental stops. We talk about using options to define risk. We're going to start doing more um, as it relates to futures and, and, and you cannot trade index futures if you don't use stops. So you keep testing your thesis and you try to take small, losses and not take a lot of big losses and that's how you kind of stay in the game but if you're just going to change your thesis every day as the market changes you're going to have a tough time making money in this market you're going to chase and you're going to wind up yeah you're going to zig when you should zag and you know that strategy i guess if you chase performance day to day it can work for a period of time until it doesn't work and and it's easy to go on air and i think in 
on the big up days, you come out as a big bull. On the big down days, you come out as a big bear. And there's no repercussions for that. The hard thing to do in this environment is to not be dogmatic, to be able to remain fluid, but have some underlying principles and things that you're looking at to sort of, um, I guess, create the, the thesis that you're trading behind. I mean, the thesis yeah. to me, the only thing that's changed, I think, is the fact that the market's higher. Outside of that, Nothing has changed about the fundamental reasons we think the market should and, and, and inevitably, in my opinion, will go lower. Yeah. So Mike Wilson, he's the CIO and, and chief strategist over at Morgan Stanley. He's been on our, our podcast on the tape a number of times over the last few months, and he's been bearish and right. Um, he doubled down into the end of the year on uh, or, or started this year on uh, his bearish thesis. But he did do something really important. And this is mid-October. We talked about it a lot um, at the lows. He called for a tactical trading rally, 15 percent. He got it. And then he turned the other way. He was on Bloomberg this morning, um, Guy, and he said that, you know, he was being questioned by the two people that are interviewing him and and again he looks really wrong right now after being really right for a year and going both ways and he said our fundamental thesis is still intact it has not been tested so here's the question i have for you on a day like today where the s p is up one and a half percent the nasdaq's up two and a quarter percent and we're just going to have these guys kind of roll through these charts a little bit okay um these are two-year charts this is the s p 500 here we are we're above that downtrend we're above that 200 day moving average we've held that uptrend from october so are we breaking out here and going to make new highs from that december period and then the next period would be August. I don't know. I'm going to ask a bunch of rhetorical questions and I want you to kind of just give me your thoughts. The NASDAQ 100, the NDX, it's been heavier than the S&P. We've been highlighting that for months now. Um, it is above that downtrend, but it has not touched its 200-day moving average. The 10-year U.S. Treasury yield, one of the main reasons why um, high valuation stocks, okay, went lower last year and 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 considerably lower and and you know every rally was a sell and most of them was because rates kept on going higher fed funds and what they were telling you they were going to do with yields well look at that it's come off it's bounced off it's 200 day the u.s dollar huge headwind right for u.s multinationals just kept on surging last year topped out in september down at one from 115 to 102 here below that uptrend and then crude oil last one here guy um you know can't get out of its way yeah it's rallied a little bit here oh the last point no there are two more i'm sorry about this the vix below 20 high yield corporate bond etf okay had a nice run here above its 200 day moving average closed above it for over a week for the first time in a very long time all of those things would question your one bearish thesis on equities am i correct here it doesn't really say much about the yeah. economy but it does about views on equity talk to me about all of that hit it, baby. Well, I mean, all those. I mean, let's start from the beginning and go to the S and P five hundred. We've been pretty. Um, we've been focused on this chart for a while for good reason. If we could throw that back up, I mean, that downtrend line in place from effectively last December, December of twenty two. Yeah, that downtrend's intact, and it appears to be being violated now. To your point, we're a little bit above the two hundred day moving average. I guess you get a couple of closes above this downtrend line and that level from August, which I believe is 4280 or so ish mm -hmm. um that's clearly got a bullseye on it so could that happen no question about it let's take a look at the nasdaq because that obviously is going to look very similar you know i've thought for a while 9800 in the nasdaq that hasn't changed by the way the only thing different between this chart and the s p chart is we have not broached the 200-day moving average and you still have a pretty uh downwardly sloping 200-day moving average this looks actually worse than the s p but could you take a peek at the August highs? I I'm hard-pressed to figure out how we get there. Maybe it's in the form of Microsoft surprising some people to the upside. 
Maybe it's in the form of Amazon finally getting back, you know, on on trajectory higher. Or maybe Apple doesn't guide lower. Apple doesn't um, say something that disappoints the market. But again, I still think we're in a pretty significant downtrend. Next one, let's take a look at this as well. Yields. Well, we stopped at the 200-day moving average. We're still upwardly sloping. I think a lot of this rally has been predicated on 10-year yields going lower. And I understand that. I just don't think yields going lower is the panacea that everybody seems to believe they are. And if rates have bottomed here and start going higher, well, it stands to reason that if rates going lower is bullish, rates going higher, or at least slowing down to the downside, should be bearish, I guess. And we'll see how that plays out. Let's take a look at the next one. Again, U.S. dollar. This is the one that's, I think, the most interesting. At, well, they're all interesting. But, you know, the, the really the, the steep decline in the dollar that, by the way, you were talking about in the fall, is, is important. It's important because the headwinds that a stronger dollar provided for these multinationals is clearly abated. And if, if nothing else, um, that, that headwind is no longer there. And for some companies, it might be a tailwind. The question is, you know, are we at this level of support? And will we just do a back and fill to the upside where we test to take a look at the 200-day moving average? So my sense is if rates start going back higher from here, the dollar will follow as well. I think you mentioned oil can't really figure oil out right now, to be honest with you. If you look at some of the underlying equities, they're all doing very well. Obviously, the broader market has as well. OAH back above 320. It's all looking good. It feels as though crude wants to party, as you say. <laughs> and although the 200-day is sloping lower, you know, a test of that 200-day is not out of the question. I think the last time we saw that was probably back in August. So it's rational to be bullish, I guess, given everything you just threw at me without question. And at a certain point, price is going to dictate a lot of the action because if these things continue to get away from people, there will be a chase early in the year. I just don't think, again, my opinion, the fundamentals do not back up these moves. Yeah, that was awesome, guy. Way to way to. Well, I try to pay attention. On. Cheapest thing yeah. you can do. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. Um, you know, the other thing is, and we haven't talked a ton about this. Um, you know, like the, the whole idea about China reopening, I think that has been a big part of, mm -hmm. of this, you know, um story over the last few weeks or so and kind of helped put a bottom in some of those things got really killed. And then when you think about just this kind of um, you know, balance to a slowing Europe or a slowing US, that what that the slack that that's gonna pick up. I'll just say this though, and you know, it's Chinese New Year, so happy new year to all Kohei of our Choi. I yes. said that pretty well, by the way. You absolutely. You're the that. rabbit. Yeah. And last night uh, we had a little group text. You, myself, and Melissa Lee, um, our illustrious hosts of CNBC's Fast Money. And did you notice I um, I sent a picture of my um, dim sum? Uh, I was celebrating me? yesterday. You're allowed to do Don't people get arrested for doing that? <laughs> it was dumplings, dude. Oh, I, so, I don't know. I mean, uh, I've yeah, seen yeah. that. Like that guy, the, the, and, 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 the and, governor yes, of New York guy, or one of those. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Um, but but I, to me, you know, a big concern is just raging COVID. We have no data on it in China. And, you know, with the spread of um, people in the movement, you know, for, for Chinese New Year, might that be something that causes a slowdown? Maybe it's just a near-term blip. Who knows? Ah, you're a seller of that theory. Uh, I'm just saying, like, it, you know, again, it's been a bit of a mess. We don't know much about it. But, um, you know, who knows if they export some of that um, mm -hmm. outside of the uh, of the globe here. And, and again, who knows? I mean, I just think a lot of this is is kind of pinned on the on the hopes of the uh, Chinese reopening. So you're not a buyer of that, huh, guy? No, I, I I think it appears as though the Chinese have basically thrown caution to the wind at this point, and I'm not certain you can put that genie back in the bottle. And I think they're I, I think basically what they're saying now is let let's see how the chips fall, and you know whatever happens at this point happens. So I don't 
I don't think there's going to be start, stop, start, another stop on the Chinese front. I just don't think they can do it. So I think that die has been cast. The one thing that we didn't talk about yet that maybe it'll come up with Carter, I'm sure it will. I think also people get all geeked up when they see activists get involved in names. Obviously, Elliott Capital and Salesforce, I think, got people all jazzed up. And, you know, I understand. And people want to be optimistic. I get that as well. Um, You know, I I just don't see, again, when you listen to Mike Wilson and listen to some of the other people that we cite from time to time, you you know, these upward moves notwithstanding, nothing is really nothing has changed but price. Yeah, well, I'll just say this, and we mentioned a lot of market call here. So, you know, there are two occurrences, um, you know, like two things that I think a lot of market participants get really focused on, uh, you know, monthly, or there's 10 uh, FOMC meetings um, a year, and then there's obviously quarterly earnings, um, you know, in the fourth month, in the, you know, like the month after the quarter ends. Um, And we see this. So over the last year, you know, we saw that move after the March um, Fed cut. It was the first cut since 2018. This was in 2022. We saw an epic rally into earnings, and I think that a lot of it had to do with expectations in and around earnings. We saw that fail. We saw a new low made. Same thing in mid-June around a Fed meeting into uh, Q2 earnings, right? We saw an epic rally. We saw that fail. Then we saw it again in October and December. That failed. We did not make a new low. Here we are. We're doing the same thing. We have a Fed 1 meeting. The consensus seems um, very clear. CME Fed Watch tool, 25 uh, basis points is a near certainty. And then the idea, now people are are talking about what, when did the Fed start cutting? You know, we've seen some of this Fed speak that they're cautiously optimistic now about a soft landing. So all this stuff is starting to become consensus here. And I guess my point is, is like maybe they keep running them. Maybe we get like a 10 to 15% rally, you know, off of the lows. But at some point, I just hard pressed to think that, um, especially with a lot of investors kind of probably out in front of their skis. If we do see economic conditions continue to stay tight guy at some Mm -hmm. point, the weight of that without unemployment ticking up is really going to weigh on S and P earnings. And we're going to have the realization that that consensus of a two twenty five number for 2023 is probably too high. And that's probably when we get the retest. Talk to me about that. Still too high. Absolutely. You know, what people seem to want to look past is the fact that, I don't think we've felt the effect of the Fed's uh, tightening cycle in terms of earnings. I think there's a lag effect that we're going to just start seeing now. And and if you really look, you're seeing it in the form of these announcements about layoffs without question. That's part of it. And I think it's just a matter of time before you see it in earnings and subsequently earnings forecasts going forward. And now, again, it comes down to what type of environment we are. And I'll say this, you know, the higher asset prices go. I think the more difficult the Fed's job becomes, which is going to be the more earnest they're going to be in their want to continue to combat. And I, for the life of me, I I can't foresee an environment where the Fed cuts in the back half of this year. But then if you do see that, you have to ask yourself, what's the backdrop that gets them to do something like that? And I mentioned this on an earlier show that we did. You have to wonder when a company like Microsoft decides to Uh, do rounds of layoffs. I mean, they don't do that willy-nilly. They do that understanding that they see something, not for a quarter or two, but they're obviously seeing something out into the future, understanding that, you know, they're not going to just start hiring people back two months from now, just not how it works. I mean, these cycles tend to be long. I guess my long-winded point is I don't think we have felt the full effects of the Fed's tightening cycle. I think we're starting to see it now. I don't think the market has reacted to it yet. 
All right, fair enough. Just a little housekeeping note. Oh, I like we housekeeping. Get, before Sorry. we get to Carter Braxton. I can, I'm a good housekeeper, by the way. Many of you know that we are now just streaming this on YouTube. We're focused on this YouTube channel, and it's been great. We really like all the comments, so i got to give a shout-out to some of you guys that are always in here. Chris Sinclair. I'm seeing Griffin Keenan, Jason oh, Dave Jabiro, Wilson, Wallace. Tony Wallace. We got Dave Rice. Jerry, Dave Wilson. Um, listen, guys, and we're going to keep reading these things. Jay Kim, HCP, Eric Clifton. Um, we appreciate all these comments. We're going to try to hit as many of these as possible possible uh taco loco love that one harry harry richard do us a favor guys share this link so you know uh, engage with it like it you know whatever the heck you do is comment on you know on twitter all that sort of stuff because we really want to focus on this we appreciate you guys being here with us um every day when we have time we like to kind of hit some of your questions this is a good one see this is and i appreciate that i'm just reading because we got to get to carter Acorn at 111. Put this up, Jacob. I got a kick out of this because this goes under the, the under the title of again, people hear what they want to hear. You guys are full of crap, all capitals. Last week you were Tesla Bear, and now you're singing a different tune. I I, I didn't. I'm not singing any. T- I don't know really what you're talking. We, I don't even know if we mentioned. Te- I sold my Tesla last week because of you guys. I left so much money on the table. What's your real agenda? I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we don't really have an agenda. We're trying to help. I mean, I apologize that you sold your Tesla and left tons of money on the table. Um, But, you know, we're also the people that probably 45, 50% ago said, you better get out of your Tesla on the way down. So, yeah, Tesla's bounced, I want to say, what, close to 40% from the lows that it made recently. And I think it's exactly that, a bounce. I mean, we've seen bounces in other stocks as well. Great point. And I see Jay Rice uh, making the point here is that Carter was bullish on Tesla. Carter came on uh, fast money. He put a note out on worth charting. Um, he said he'd be a buyer. I mean, listen, I'll just be very clear here. Guy and I are not hedge fund managers. We're not stockbrokers. We're not uh, anything of the like. Um, we do these shows. We talk about them. We trade. We invest on our own. We give you our opinions. We're not making recommendations. Um, that is the value proposition of you being able to listen to our podcast and do that. We want to be as correct as possible. Oh, I see. Yeah, you're right. And now now I'm reading Carter's been. Yeah, Carter's. Okay. But but my point is, is like we want to be as correct as possible because we know a lot of people. Nobody wants to be wrong. What we're saying as inputs, just as I, when I see David Tepper on CNBC or I read some guy interviewed in Barron's or Gal or this or whatever. So, again, uh, we're we're sorry that you made a decision to sell your Tesla. um, But if our commentary over the last year has been, I, I think, spot on. And, you know, the stock for all of this is just up, you know, 15% on the year versus a NASDAQ that's up 18.5% after it lost $800 billion in market cap off of its highs. So, again, um, thank you for being here. We're sorry that you made a decision about your Tesla. Um, You know, we're just, again, you know, that is what it is. All right, let's bring Carter in here. Um, Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting. There he is. There, the... Oh, there he is. Man, Drab Gray. I love it. Drab <laughs> Gray. I mean, you could give him you could give him something else about it. You it's, like it's, it. it's that's an actual color. You know what, an actual color. It's a little bit of green in it, but uh, okay. maybe it's Sorry, bringing out the blues Heather, in his eyes. Heather, here. My wife um, I'm saying I'm like, I don't know. Gray's gray words for me. All right, Carter, we have an agenda here with you. We got 10 minutes left, okay, in this fine program here. We want to hit a couple things. You know, on work charting, you had a great note on the XLE, uh, XLC, excuse me, that's the communications. We're not going to hit that yet. Um, that is primarily made up of Google and Meta and some Netflix and some Disney and some Verizon. Um, you also want to talk about um, lodging stocks, okay, hotel stocks. Um, you and I 
kind of hit the Jets last week. Guy obviously was involved in that. I put a bearish bet on the Jets. That is the ETF that tracks um, the airline. So I'm really interested to hear how you're con contrasting those two. Okay. Um, but we were going to hit semis here. There was a couple fundamental upgrades on the street. We're seeing huge move in AMD up 8%. We're seeing NVIDIA, which was not touched, um, but that is up nearly 7%, up 30% um, on the year. I want I want to hit semis first before we get to your XLC, but I also want to get your general take on just kind of the flavor. You know, I don't know if you heard us before, what we're seeing across the stock market. It seems like there is a little exuberance, whether it's rational or irrational. What's your quick take on that? And then let's talk about semis and then some of these communication services names. Sure. I mean, look, recency, we're all um, fall prey to it. When the markets, if the market were down exactly the amount that it's up right now, our conversation, we did, we're all always prone to think, oh my God, here it goes. Oh my God, I got to chase it. And then, oh my God, it's falling apart. I got to get out. Uh, one of the things I, I was uh, read something years ago that stuck with me, this uh, portfolio manager, he was writing up his quarterly letter and he said, you know, I'm always the um, finding myself the sentiment of the last author. Meaning he said, for instance, you pick up Barron's, the first article is really, really bullish. Like, oh my God, I'm I'm so cautious. I got I gotta get on sides here. This is crazy. You know, you go ahead and fill up your coffee it's Saturday morning, you read the next article, like, oh my God, it's true, the end of the world. I got I gotta take meaning you read one thing and you feel bullish, you read another thing, you feel bearish. At the end of the day, just stepping back, the S P right now is exactly where it was in May. And so on a six, seven, eight-month basis, however you want to measure that, we are unch. We've been a lot lower. We've been higher that August rally, and we're back to where we were. The, the question is this. Let's say we do press higher. We breach the downtrend line, well-defined as it is. Is this a setup for something big to the upside, or is it really just more of the same? We've basically been muddling, and we don't really go anywhere. That's my hunch, and I still am in the camp that sideways or down captures 80 to 90% of the odds. And often you do have these things, they're known as bull traps, right? Where you break out to a 52 week high, draw in a lot of money only to uh, reverse. You could very well see where we pierce this line, you get even more bullish sentiment only to crap out as the expression goes and fall back into the formation. I just don't see anything that's all that bullish. I agree with you. And we'll start, we'll look at semis because people, some probably, well, I mean, one of the most economically sensitive areas or groups, highly cyclicals, we've learned. I mean, the move in semis uh, over the last, well, over the last month, month and a half has been interesting. We'll look at the SMH card and then we'll look at a couple individual names. But I mean, I guess the question is, what is the market looking at? And maybe they're starting to see some early cycle recoveries in some of these things. Or maybe they're saying uh, for some of these stocks, the valuation is too compelling. I would push back and say, Valuation might have been compelling, you know, back in the late fall, but it, you know, it went from very compelling to not nearly as much. Now, you look at the SMH, which is obviously the the ETF that most people look at in terms of the semis. What are your thoughts here? This, to me, at these levels, more pair of twos, uh, maybe getting yeah. towards the level where you can short it again. I mean, the first thing that jumps out, holding aside all the annotations that are there on the screen, it is one heck of a head and shoulders bottom. So the question is is it almost too obvious? The, the, you know, every, everyone's looking at that. 
everyone's thinking, oh, it's an epic bottom. What we know is essentially this. The first thing is it's beta. It's declined from its peak, right? The, the SMH or the SOX index, 48%. Now that compares to 37 for the QQQ and 27% decline for the S&P. And now it's also exhibiting beta on the way up. We're up 40% off the low. So it drops a whole heck of a lot more than the S&P, 48 versus 27, peak the trough. And it's rallied 40% off the low. It's just a, um, you know, it's a very dynamic thing. The, the question is, here too, after rallying 40%, you're not free and clear. There's overhead supply. It's got work to do. Uh, today's a big day. Uh, my inclination, if I were long SMH, would be to sell calls or to reduce my position, trim, do something. Yeah. I, I mean, just like, again, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, care how much you're off a high or this and whatever, but I, I got to tell you, like, I find it astounding if you look at this NVIDIA and this was the largest market cap uh, name in the space, at least U.S. domiciled here. And, um, you know, Guy has mentioned this on many occasions that as high as just um, in December, it was up, what, 75% from its lows. And just in market cap terms, that's pretty astounding, especially when you consider that a lot of its declines in 2022 were really about, um, you know, like multiple compression here. And, and again, you're probably going to say, if you look at this, and you want to be bullish, you'd say getting above $200 um, is, is, you know, an epic bottom, head and shoulders, whatever you want. And from one of the leaders, it just doesn't have any valuation support. So you better see 2023 um, accelerate pretty meaningfully, which I'm not so sure um, that is what, it, you know, as far as consensus um, estimates, I mean, right now they have earnings up 30% and, and sales up, but this thing still trades at 16 times sales. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that one is pretty astounding this one though carter amd really quickly can we throw this one up here because you know this is below its 200 day um you know a, a bit of a mild move off the off the bottom it's not um that you know below that downtrend i mean is this one how does this fare versus like let's say an nvidia and this one was upgraded at barclays today right well nvidia is further along in its recovery and so then one either favors the relative strength winner or takes the exact opposite approach says this is the laggard and you know, one could say, well, they're not the same kind of semi, Carter. You don't know anything about the book to bill ratio, whether this is this kind of semi or that kind of. You're damn right I don't. I actually covered semis once upon a time and it put me to sleep. So I, I don't do it fun fundamentally. I covered them. Um, uh, God, it was horrible. And the, the point <laughs> is this. <laughs> I mean, we have a downtrend line. We have something that's returned to the downtrend line. Uh, in the first instance, when you just get to a downtrend, you bet against it. And then have a frictionless mind. If it's wrong and starts to press through, flip it around. Get yeah. All right. There you go. All right. Listen, this one's really interesting because I know that <clears throat> you've been bullish. I know that you made a great call in meta um, last year um, as it was bottoming out a bullish call here. And uh, you know, the XLC, uh, this, so this is an ETF. You don't want to throw up the top holdings here, meta, Google, uh, Netflix, Disney. Um, and then there's a bunch of like kind of old communication names in there, obviously Verizon, um, Charter, Comcast, uh, T-Mobile, and AT&T. Talk to us about this and how this caught your eye and, and what you're thinking about. And is it obviously when you look at the construction of an ETF like this where Meta and Google are, you know, 37, 38% of the weight, is it just um, making a bet on those less idiosyncratic on the individual? I'm just curious, like how you arrive at this or you don't yeah. give a crap when you're looking at no, Excel. I, yeah. Here's what it was. So this was from November 30. And the title of the client note was the last shall be first. And communication sector uh, was the worst performing sector of all 11 sectors from the peak in the market to the trough. And 
basically, remember, this sector was almost out of business, right? It was just down to T and VZ, to AT&T and Verizon. And so they, they, what did they do? They took a big bunch of tech names and stuck them in there. Google used to be tech, right? And Netflix used to be tech. And, and uh, Facebook or Meta used to be tech. So they got this thing back on its feet. But basically, tech, we know, bombed out. These names more bombed out than anything. And so it was just a contrarian bet that it was so bad it's good. And take a, yeah, well, the third chart up while you talk, because it's, it's an interesting chart to take a look at. I mean, this is a pretty clear. I mean, this potentially looks like what the S&P 500 mm -hmm. could look like if, in fact, we're on the course to take a look at those August highs. Speak to this. So, uh, the, again, it, it, look, it could have been a dud. Happily, it's worked out. The question is now what to do. Right. And so 60 days later, uh, so far, so good. My hunch is to let it go further. And. And again, it's really a stealth way of playing tech because everybody knows that you can call Google communications, you can call meta communicating because we're people Facebooking each other. I don't have Facebook, but whatever that means. Communications is what we're doing now. We're talking. You use the telephone, you send a, you send a wire, whatever. It's, it's tech in drag. <laughs> God, he had you at tech in drag. Um, well, I was thinking that that cat from New York um, – Congressperson Santos. <laughs> anyway, I mean, Santos? I'm sorry. Well, all right, so, so real quickly, Guy, I wanted to hit you on this because, you know, you had a great call on the Netflix off the bottom, and I think you and I were in agreement. And, again, we were always going to come back and we're going to say this. You you said, listen, I'd continue to be long into that print, but I'd sell it after when it, when it continues to rally. So it's rallied nicely since then. It's at 360. You thought 345, mm -hmm. I think, is what you said. Mm -hmm. It's had a two-day move of nearly um, 12%. And, and, and again, you know, Carter, you frame this really well with the names that you've been right on and they're bullish and they keep running. It's like sometimes just do something. People always ask me, you know, he's like, how do I know when to take a profit? Well, did it reach some of your goals? Did they, you know, come, did they, did they say the things that you were expecting them to say? Well, at that point, then you should probably do something, right? If that was your target. And you always say, write calls, sell a little, do something. And, do something. and I really like that. Well, I like that framework. So, guy, I'm just saying, you know, you, you, you talked about, Netflix last week. You're right. What do you what do you do this thing now at 360? Well, it's up 100% now from the lows we saw in the spring. I mean, that's a pretty remarkable move. Obviously, still considerably lower than its all-time highs. Now, you know, a, a, nine months ago, you made a very compelling case for Netflix on valuation, which we did, by the way, and it proved to be correct. We thought we would fill these gaps, which we have. Now you have to ask yourself how much, you know, how much gas is left in the tank. And it's not about Netflix at this point in terms of what I think about the company or Reed Hastings or anything about it. It's about how do you trade the stock from here? And, you know, given the volume we've seen over the last couple of days, I would submit again, thinking I thought 345 would be it. We've overshot. You have to do something. So if that's selling calls against it, understanding that that does not get you out of your position unless you're called away. So it mitigates some risk, not all. If it's buying put protection, understanding that vol could have blown out at this point and maybe that's not the right course of action. Or if it's selling out of a quarter, third, half of your position or all of your position, all those things are good. Doing nothing here to Carter's point, though, I think is foolish because what winds up happening is it will move against you and then you're going to be paralyzed by not having done something a week or so earlier. I got a good one. Just to, this is how, just how my day goes. I have a, an exchange with a portfolio manager, big bank in Europe. They're running about 120 billion. Not that it matters, Carter, because he knows I don't care. But Netflix has 154 billion market cap, 
And in fiscal year 22, just released, they generated $1 billion of free cash flow, mm-hmm. ex-stock-based comp. What he's saying, of course, is this is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> he's well, trying to make a point. Now, he knows that I don't care, and I go, I get it. And I think he said, but then he says, good call on the bottom. And now what do you do? But either way, you know, is that right? $154 billion in market cap and you generate $1 billion in free cash flow? Sounds expensive to me. But I'm not in the valuation business, right? I'm in the chart business. But either way, expensive fundamentally or it's come a long way, do something, right? You know what we're going to do? Um, so tomorrow or Wednesday, we'll do a um, – so Guy just said maybe you sell calls, maybe you buy puts in a name like that. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do both. We're going to look Here at that are. and we'll do what we call a risk reversal or a collar where you sell an out-of-the-money <laughs> call versus your long stock and you use the proceeds of that call sale and you buy a put you have gains up to that short call strike in the stock that you own you have losses in the stock that you own down to the long put strike um and that's how you would collar your stock here all right let's just hit this last thing before we get out of here we know we're going late carter you thought the jets were going to find some resistance it has found some resistance that 20 dollars level in that etf that we talked about last week it's still right in and around where we we were i put my short-term bearish trade using options on let's talk about some of these lodging names because i also like that expedia in the lodging space here run us through some of these names here and what you're thinking on sure. let's get uh, out of here we'll go quick so expedia is really bombed out and has all the elements of a turn so that one appeals to me as a bearish to bullish reversal but if we look at some of the marquee names I mean, this is setting up for a breakout. Uh, what's not to like? Look at the next one. These are all into formations that I think get resolved, meaning these are stronger businesses than the Jets. Jets has come a long way. These have lagged over the last month and a half, and I think they play catch up. Hilton, we've got Ho- Marriott on here. I think we probably got Host. Um, and then here's an, maybe the last one that's kind of fun. This is a uh, this is a group. You can actually look it up. Right? These are all the stocks in the Russell 3000 hotel and motel sub-industry group, some of which we've just looked at now. Now, if you were to look at a chart of this index, not itself, but relative to the S&P, that's a ratio chart. To my eye, that's go time, breakout. Guy, go that. time go, for you, buddy. In the, go in the time. Well, it's go time on a number of the. You know, it's interesting. I heard Carter say hotel, motel. Somebody should really come up with a song that integrates both those words and then mention it, a hotel by name, like, you know, something like hotel, motel. Um, or hotel, California. You know, ca- holiday Inn or something. Didn't the Beastie Boys try that, Dan? Wasn't that, wasn't that your jam back in the day? Or am I missing something? <laughs> I think you're missing something. I like your oh. orange shirt. I hope you're wearing a Syracuse, uh, Syracuse orange shirt underneath. No, just for, just, I'm not wearing a Syracuse. Dan bought me a shirt. I got to stand up and display it. Uh-oh. It is my oh, Carver High School. Yeah. That, of course. Carter, you remember that, right? You remember the White Shadow, the, the program in the, in mm-hmm. the late 70s, early 80s as a Carver High School. Um, I will tell you, Guy, yesterday as I was watching the football, I was wearing my Georgetown Dunks. Those are Nike sneakers, which I never thought in a million years growing up in Syracuse, New York in the 80s, I'd be ever wearing. But I am all go. in on your Hoyas. You know, my daughter's a freshman there. So you're wearing my Syracuse orange and I'm wearing your Georgetown we're, Dunks. We're, we're flying the colors, as they say. Yeah. That's it. Carter Braxtonworth, great j- Listen, Carter brings it, and he was bullish in Tesla. He was right. I was not, and I was wrong. That's what makes markets, folks. That's why you listen to everybody. But in the end of the day, you make your own decisions. Listen to everybody. Don't listen to anybody, if that makes sense. That might be the new buzzword for worth charting. 
Anywho, that's it for Market Call today. Ranger Hockey Tonight, Panthers in town. Looking forward to that. Carter will be back on Wednesday. I want to thank our sponsor, FactSet, financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. They're also our data provider. Tomorrow, it's Dan Nathan and yours truly, 1 p.m. Eastern time. We'll see you then.